0: This
1: is real. There's power in Your name. My hope and trust in Your waves. We believe Jesus is real.
0: Even though, like a sheep, You went astray. Even though we hide our faces from Him. Even though we are not asking for his help, he is proactively redeeming us. Does that not, if we soak our hearts there and we allow the Spirit of God to minister
1: these truths to us, will this not change everything? I believe it does. It so does. God wants a relationship with you and nothing you can do will change that. Like it says in the book of Psalms, his goodness and unfailing love continually pursues you. Jesus came on a rescue mission for you. You can push him away and turn your back. You could even deny his existence, but he'll never stop loving you. Today, Pastor Daniel will walk you through what the truths found in Isaiah mean for you in your everyday moments. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Isaiah chapter 52 as he continues his message, Jesus foretold.
0: All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This teaches us that Jesus received our punishment, my punishment. Your punishment. This is why Jesus is the most important person who has ever and will ever live. Why? Because he received our punishment. Jesus being despised was not because of what he did. He chose to take what we deserve, the humiliation that we deserved, and he took it upon himself. Notice that word, surely. What does surely mean? Surely. I love when I say that. One's just like, what does it mean? I mean, sure. It means absolutely, positively. He has borne, notice, he bore what? Our griefs. He carried what? Our sorrows. He was wounded for what? Our transgressions. He was bruised for what? Our iniquities. You see, Jesus stood in our place. Now, what's fascinating here is that word, but he was wounded for our transgressions that word wounded literally means he was pierced through do you see how this isn't just like a slight echo this is a megaphone on an amplifier full stacks turn to 11 if you know spinal tap This is Jesus on display. Everyone gets to hear this, that this happened. Jesus received the punishment that we deserve for our iniquities and our transgressions. He bore our grief and we all have it. This is why Jesus is so important, my friends. This is why no matter how culture changes, Jesus and the message of Jesus and the finished work of Jesus is the most important message in the world. Why? Because God realized that all of us, all of us like sheep have gone astray all of us the idea is that see sheep as a species they herd together and they follow whoever in front but all of us have strayed in some way there's not one of us who has it except for jesus himself that's why jesus said i've always done those things which please my father none of us can say that sometimes we've done things that please our father i hope but not always See, God knows this about us. And God said, look, because you all, like sheep, have gone astray, that each one of us, we've turned from our own way, the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. This is why I, when I heard the gospel message and when the Spirit of God illuminated it to my life, I said, oh, thank you, God. Why? Because I had become very aware of my failings. For a long time, we excused our failings, We justify our families. And then at some point you say, you know what? I just fail a whole lot. And God knows that about us. Anybody here who's trying to say, I don't ever make mistakes. You know, you're lying too. And I'm not just being negative. I'm just being real about it. Right. It's like, it's so funny. Like you ever have like an employee review at work. You ever have one of those? Aren't they the most horrifying things? You know why they're so scary? Because we all know we've gotten some stuff wrong, right? But what happens is we live in a day and age where we want to whitewash over all this stuff. Well, it wasn't really that bad. I only lost the company like $47 million last quarter. But the idea is is that when we look in the mirror of who we are, it's kind of scary. Except what you realize is that God in his love did this. See, what I love about God is he loves with full disclosure. He already knows this stuff about me. And he's like, I love you still. And even though I knew before I was even born, God knew every single breath that I would take. He knew everything I would do wrong. And he said, you know what? I know all of it. And I'm still going to send Jesus on a rescue mission for you. I'm going to lay on him the iniquity of everyone. This is what it's all about. Peter quotes some of this stuff in 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 21 to 25, it says, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps who committed no sin nor was deceit found in his mouth who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now return to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So listen, if you're here today, Whether in our Southwest Portland campus, whether here in our Vancouver campus, if you're online, if you're watching this message or hearing this on the radio or on social media, here's my question for you. Why not return to the shepherd and overseer of your soul? Why, if you realize that you don't have it all together, that you don't have it right, and if God knew that He would do that, He sent Jesus to receive the punishment that you deserve, why not return? To the shepherd and overseer of your soul why not take that step of faith with the invitation that jesus is giving you and say i'm going to take that step in it i'm going to allow god with all of my failings and all of my brokenness and all my struggles and all of my angst and all my existential dissonance that i have and cognitive dissonance and all these things that i have going on why not should i just not come home see Oftentimes, people say, I'm not going to come home because I want all the answers. But you know the fact that anything that's good, you don't have all the answers up front. People choose a job. You don't know all the things about your job. You don't know everyone you're going to work with. You don't endeavor in anything in life where you know everything before it happens. So why spiritually do you think you have to do the same thing? Anything that's good grows over time. Even if you are absolutely certain you're supposed to marry someone, you learn all sorts of things about them pretty quickly when you get married. Like you didn't know that about because You didn't see that part of their life. They hid that from you. They didn't FaceTime you when that was going on. <laughs> God wants us to go deep into why Jesus died. I think this is one of the great struggles in our generation today because we live in a soundbite, distracted generation right? Where we've lost the art of focus, of deep work, of the ability to linger somewhere for a while, right? It's like we live in a day and age where at every break, even a moment, break, we pull out our phones or we, you know, we get distracted. God, and listen, I like being distracted like the next person, so I'm not judging anybody. But when was the last time you said, Lord, will you bring me down deep into what the cross really means? Will you allow my heart like a cloth to soak in the dye of the cross that I might take on the very colors and the nuances of what the cross means? Because I literally believe that the finished work of Jesus on the cross is the answer to everything. Everything. Everything that is big, everything that is eternal. Sure, it's not the answer to how to make a great deep fried Twinkie. But it may be. It may be. Even as I said, I'm like, maybe I'm wrong. But the reality is, in every relationship, in every area of struggle, is not the fact that Jesus received your punishment on the cross even though like a sheep you went astray, even though we hide our faces from him, even though we are not asking for his help, he is proactively redeeming us. Does that not, if we soak our hearts there and we allow the spirit of God to minister these truths to us, will this not change everything? I believe it does. Now, you might say, okay, so Fusco, so we're reading this, and yeah, it's, it's pretty powerful stuff, and, but how do you really know that it's Jesus? Well, listen to what it says in verse 7 of Isaiah 53. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment and who will declare his generation? He was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people. He was stricken and they made his grave with the wicked but with the rich at his death because he had done no violence nor was any deceit found in his mouth. My friends, this is the cross foretold. This whole chapter, but specifically as we move into these verses, we find details about the death and the cross of Jesus that are very, very specific. The idea of him being oppressed and afflicted. If you read the gospel accounts of Jesus' mock trials, the kangaroo court that he was in, is a classic case of oppression. Whether it's the Jewish leaders or it was Pontius Pilate, or it was Herod. All of them were using their power to suppress something that they didn't understand or didn't like, and there was no merit to what they were saying. Classic oppression. And not only oppression, but affliction. Jesus was brutally beaten and tortured, yet he opened not his mouth. Reminds me, of course, of Matthew 27, verses 12 to 14, where it says, And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. And then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? And he answered him, Not one word. So the governor marveled greatly. If there was ever a person who could plead his case, it was Jesus of Nazareth. If there was ever a person who could write down, just spell out every mistake, every single person who was accusing him ever could, it was Jesus. But Jesus didn't say anything. Why? Because he knew that his plan was greater than just proving what they were doing was wrong. He was going to take the very wrong that they were perpetrating. and He was going to crucify it in himself, on his own body. This is what Jesus is interested in. Not being right, but transforming the world. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter all through the Bible. Jesus is called the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's how John the Baptist speaks of him. So he's like a lamb who's being led to the slaughter. And of course, in that culture, it says, as a sheep before it shears his silence, he opened not his mouth. In that culture, they saw sheep being sheared all the time. So Jesus doesn't say anything. Notice he was taken from prison and from judgment and who will declare his generation for he was cut off from the land of the living. Now you have to realize Jesus being cut off from the land of the living, nobody took his life, he gave it. He gave it. He wanted to do this. Why did it happen? For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. See, notice how God speaks for the transgressions of my people. See, this is the love of our God saying, my people have failed and I am going to strike my son in their place. Notice verse nine. I mean, it's powerful, this stuff. They made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Jesus was crucified with Two thieves on either side of him. He was killed amongst the wicked, but where was he buried? Amongst the rich. Listen to what it says in Matthew 27, verses 57 to 60. Now when evening had come, there was a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had become a disciple of Jesus. The man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a linen, a clean linen cloth, and he laid it in a new tomb, which had been hewn out of the rock, and he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb, and he departed. Fascinating. Joseph Arimathea, who was a rich man, buried Jesus in the tomb of a wealthy person. Did you ever read that stuff and realize that this all happened in the fulfillment of a prophecy that was given some 700 years before Jesus even was born? Is that not provocative? Is that not something that makes you think to yourself, maybe there's something to this Jesus guy. Does this make you think for a second, maybe God knows exactly what he's doing. And maybe I'm just coming around to that. And I realize all of us are in process. There's not one of us whose faith is fully formed. The person who's been walking with Jesus here the longest is still trying to learn how to become as a little child that you may enter the kingdom. Because you know what happens with little children. I love this so much. I see this every day raising our kids, Lynn and I. Is that especially our youngest, Annabelle. She's three years old. She is so completely trusting in every situation. We just had it the other day. We have a little sign on our door that says, don't knock. We have It's fun, unless you're a Girl Scout. If you have Thin Mints, then you can knock. Everyone else... I got this great little sign on eBay. It's super fun. It says, you know, we like our vacuum and our kids spend all of our money and we have found Jesus. They got all these things on it, you know? But it says, if you have Thin Mints, you can knock. And, and so, but someone didn't read the door or they did, but they chose to knock anyway, which kind of freaks me out a little bit. But what was funny is Annabelle answered the door. And so there's nothing more fun when you go to someone's house and their three-year-old answers. So this guy who knocks, pest control guy, says, are you the boss? She says, yep so classic. Now I'm sitting in the other room watching this and he's like, you're the boss. She's like, absolutely. And Annabelle just starts talking to this dude, right? Now, unless you know Annabelle, she kind of talks like a chipmunk from Alvin and the Chipmunks. Unless you know her language, it's some of it you don't get. And she's going on and on and on and on. I'm thinking to myself, this is both beautiful and terrifying, right? Because she doesn't know this guy and she's the boss and you know, and she's not scared of him at all. And what's beautiful is that Annabelle's not scared of anybody. She can walk into any situation. She's completely trusting. And what's amazing is, it's, I say it's terrifying because I've been around long enough. And you realize that not everyone's plans are beautiful. Not everyone's intentions are right. But what happens is, because we live in a broken world, we begin to be suspicious of God too. We translate the fact that everybody in our world might have ill intentions for us, and then when it comes to God, we don't trust him because everyone else has treated us poorly when God has done everything to take care of us. So one of the things that God is doing in all of our lives is trying to bring us back to a childlike innocence and simplicity that we just trust. Him. Not trust everybody. God doesn't want us to be naive about the world he wants us to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves but with him he wants us to be simply trusting he wants us when god says this in his word we say okay lord when god says look i want you to be generous with your finances and i want you to serve me and you say but lord but lord this lord that lord don't you know about this god i got this bill and this thing and we have all these reasons why right rather than just simply saying i trust you lord now, I use the finance as one because there's nothing more challenging for all of us than the bottom line in the checkbook or on the online banking. Those numbers don't lie. But you know what happens when we learn how to trust God innocently? You begin to realize that God is the most trustworthy person you'll ever meet you begin to understand the fact that God knows what he's doing and he's got something bigger at play than just making us feel comfortable in the moment because he wants to grow us up. He loves us. He wants to conform us to be more and more like him, less the way that we are. So all of us, as we're getting older, God is trying to make us younger. As we become more mature, Biblical maturity is not understanding the ways of the world. It's saying the world works this way, but my God works another way. I mean, you think about when the Lord says that we should pray without ceasing. Is there anything more offensive to contemporary society that I'm going to stop what I'm doing and I'm going to talk to God in a closet? The number of times something goes on, you're like, what are you going to do? I'm going to pray. Well, I'm going to go do something that's necessary, as if prayer isn't necessary. But God says, you want answers? Pray. He didn't say, pray and thank God for Google every day. You know what I mean? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't use Google. I'm not over exaggerating. But the idea is that God is the wisest person in the world. All the wisdom, whatever is actually true on the internet, God knew it already. And God can be trusted. But the struggle that you and I have, of course, is that there's a part of us that doesn't trust him. Because there's no one else in the world who we can trust. He's the only one who is completely faithful. Completely trustworthy. And when you start reading this stuff, you realize, talk about a megaphone, an amplifier. Talk about an amplifier of Jesus 700 years before, down to the very detail. Now, this beautiful chapter closes in this way. Isaiah 53, verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, He shall see his seed and he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will devoid him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. What we learn here is that although Jesus was crushed, although he was pierced through, although his stripes were given to him, we learn that Jesus is absolutely victorious. He's victorious. How do I know? Amen. Because in verses 10 to 12, we are reminded, we are reminded that through Jesus' death comes life. Although he decidedly dies, it says in verse 10, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. The pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. See, all of this is a discussion of life after death. It doesn't explicitly say resurrection, but everything in these verses say Jesus sees the finished work that he did. How do you have a spoil without being a victor? See, Jesus is absolutely, positively victorious. Now, listen. Romans chapter five says, therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men resulting in justification to life. My friends, what this means is simple. It means that although all of us like sheep have gone astray, although all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God whoever puts their faith and trust in Jesus will be justified and that word justified means just as if I'd never failed that we go from being guilty to not guilty all because why Jesus stood in the guilty place on the cross and he conquered sin and death Jesus
1: is Thanks for joining us today as Pastor Daniel finished up his look at what this passage reveals about Jesus. You were reminded that Jesus is the MVP of all things for all time. He's the one who made it possible for every person ever to have a relationship with the God of the universe. Because of him, you can be right with God. Jesus conquered sin and death. He took your guilt upon himself and made it just as if you'd never sinned.
0: Hey everyone, there's a lot happening in the world and it can keep you pretty busy. But I want to encourage you to take some time and devote it to your spiritual growth. I know God wants to do something in your life and I'm excited for you to discover exactly what that is. Come join me for a worship service at Crossroads Community Church Online so I can share the Bible with you. Join me online at crossroadschurch.net or find me on Facebook Live.
1: Come back next time when Pastor Daniel shares that God is constantly inviting you to walk with Him. Whether you've made that decision to trust in Him and begin that relationship, or you've followed God for years, the offer is the same, to say yes to Jesus today and take the next step with Him. God is welcoming you into a transformed life filled with the peace, love, grace, and purpose that only He can offer.